Are we doing everything wrong? Happiness can be elusive, but if our approach to life is backwards, backfiring, or just plain untrue, happiness may be an impossible dream. This is the 5AM Miracle, episode number 386. Live by these six truths and be happy with Sid Garza-Hillman. Good morning, I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. My guest today is a writer, nutritionist, podcaster, and YouTuber. He helps people take control of their lives through his unique small steps philosophy. He is the author of Six Truths, Live by These Truths and Be Happy, Don't and You Won't. His approach is the exact opposite of quick fixes, diets, and exercise DVDs, focusing rather on long-term sustainable change and increased self-esteem and confidence in the process. And now here is my interview with Sid Garza-Hillman. I'm glad that I almost said welcome to you, but I'm, the, I'm your guest, so glad, <laughs> glad to be here. You know, what's funny is I did that exact same thing when I was interviewed a couple months ago. I welcomed the person interviewing me and confused her like no one else. So it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It does happen. Uh, but let's start today with a discussion on happiness. This is the topic of your new book. And so I want to get from, I guess, from that perspective of what is happiness to you and should that be, I guess, a goal that we're striving for? Yeah, I think, well, I think happy, I, if I had to define it, I would say happiness is is living life on your terms. And um, as far as what we should be striving for, I don't even know. I, I do think that we all are already, you know, and that was the basis of my book. It's like, let's, let's not, let's not get bogged down in the details of, you know, if you're talking about health, a scale weight or six pack abs or whatever it is that people are trying to achieve. The big goal is, is to live a happy, fulfilled life of passion. And, and that's living in line with, you know, a, 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 you know, an idea of who you are ideally, regardless of sort of how you've been living. That's what I would say on that. Yeah, I think the idea of living life in your own terms is definitely a, a major draw for most of us. And that's what made me become an entrepreneur. And, and a lot of my life choices tend to lean that direction. So let's get to the, the book, which is called Six Truths. Live by these truths and be happy. Don't and you won't. Uh, first of all, fantastic title. I love that. I think it's okay. really. <laughs> Thanks. And I have to say, thank you for giggling because it got to the point where that title, the subtitle, when I came up with it, made me giggle. But then uh. when I would tell when I would tell people about it, they would just be like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Damn it! I'm the only one who thinks that's kind of okay, funny." And, <laughs> and so it's been kind of an unfulfilling uh, venture for me to tell people the title because I, I just get no reaction, you know. But anyway, so thanks, I appreciate it. Well, a good one for me, definitely. I love book titles. I think it's fun to have a, a catchy one that gets your attention. So yeah, let's yeah. go with this. The first angle I want to discuss your book from is. Do we need another book on happiness? Because I feel like there are probably a hundred thousand out there already. What is, I guess, the angle you're taking on this, and why do you think that this is important today? Well, I think I don't think we're heading in a direction as a species of of greater joy and compassion and happiness. I think we're getting into a a, a almost like a I call in my in my own podcast like the the lizard brain versus the sort of executive thinking prefrontal cortex brain you know I think we're moving into a more fear-based lizard kind of survival us against them mentality and so I I do think that there's a space and a place that is necessary especially in and on top of this the pandemic and everything else but for a for a philosophy book you know and 
and that's where I stand. I'm, I'm even as a nutritionist and, and the work I do in the healthy living realm, it's, it's always with a backdrop of philosophy. So yeah, I do think it's necessary. I think it's necessary. And I wanted to write a book that was simple and fun to read and easy to, to get into, but also that was, let's identify really what we're going after here. And, and maybe, maybe I have a, a good voice as far as how to make it easy for people to get there. Definitely. I love that. I think you're, you're right to the idea that having a, a book that's accessible, simple, fun, and easy is always good, especially with happiness. And so let's get to, I guess, what these six truths happen to be. Like, can you give us a, simp- a, a sense of what these truths are, why they're important, and, and how to live by those? Well, you know, without going into like all six truths individually, because I don't want to bore your guests sure. or whatever, <laughs> but anyways, the, the general theme of them is, 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 is to identify, I guess for me, like really what is at stake as a, as a human being? Like how does, what does it take? And I think that a lot of my work is in, in a way in reaction to the marketplace, to the sort of quick fix model of so many flashy kinds of programs. And, and I'm identifying, and even in myself too, this, this desire, you know, people want to live a good life. They want to live better. So what better than some flashy program that's going to promise them that, that without a significant amount of work. It's sort of like, you know, you, you know, 10 pounds in 21 days kind of thing. The problem is, is that those things don't deliver happiness. They don't even deliver long-term health. They are a short-term quick fix. And we dive to those because we're lacking the, and not because we're dumb and not because we're inept, but we're lacking this I, very clear identification of the life we actually want to live, which nobody wants to lose weight and gain it back. They want to lose weight and keep it off. And so because they want to keep it off and because they want a long-term happy life, if they're really clear about that, they would never go to a quick fix. They would, they would take their time and they would really do the thinking involved in forging a happy life and then you know, implement changes in their lives at a measured rate to make those things last. So all the truths are, are getting people back to this core idea of, of really what it means to be happy, what it means to be strong. Like I think we're living in this country, at least in the United States, where strength has gotten some weird interpretation of like machismo and like meat eaten, tough gut, you know, weird. <laughs> and it's like what it, it's like very surface anger kind of thing. And I was like, that's not strong. Strong is is being adaptable and compassionate and and to stand up for things, but also to to understand when we've made mistakes and and try to correct those things. Like, what is the true definition of strength? Because I think when we live a strong life, we live a happy life. When we live a, a principled life, we live a happy life. So this is, you know, my truths are like, live by the example. Don't don't talk so much in the world. Like, work on yourself. To you know, when I when I really started working on all this, like my YouTube channel. First of all, I quit all social media. One of my truths is social media ain't social. Hmm. And really, really, and it's not like I'm advocating for people to quit social media. I did. I took it to the extreme to see what this was like just in terms of my own practice. But to, to really identify the parts of us where it's not feeding our bodies and souls. It's not a good thing for us in the levels that we're doing this. And so, you know, live by the example. Um, I turned off comments on my YouTube channel. It was like, you, you know, don't, I want you to watch my videos if you like them, but don't worry about commenting. Just go back, learn something ideally, and if you don't dig what I do, move on to something else, but but be more inward focused. And I think that's the ultimate theme of the book. 
Do you think there's a, a trend there? Because I've seen a lot of people who are going that direction where they, they re- let's go to social media for a second, where they realize that social media isn't working for them. Is that kind of, you see that as one of the core problems that we're experiencing? Is it more just technology in general is, is too integrated in our lives? Or how do we I guess, separate ourselves in an effective way to, to, to go more inward more often? Well, I think it's a great question. I think that it's not technology's fault or social media's fault. I think it's those things divorced from philosophy and ethics. I think that when you say, okay, I've got to, um, you know, I'm going to be on social media all day, that's just a levels of, of, of insanity, you know, and, mm. it's, and it's too much and it's breaking us down. Technology of any kind without an idea of morality or ethics is, is not good. Um, in the book, I draw a, a, an analogy between um, intermittent fasting, which is, if, I'm sure you're familiar with it because it's yeah. a new thing now, but the way I look at it is very simple. It's like eat it in a more uh, defined time period so that you leave other times for your body to process that food, to do its other jobs. Well, then I made an analogy between that and social media and, and everything else that we're stuffing in our heads. We have phones in our pockets and between that and social media and the news, and everything that is just stuffing in our heads, we don't take time to process those things. So it's sort of like going an intermittent fast daily with your technology. Do it for certain periods of time, but then allow other times of solitude, of quiet, of contemplation, of thinking. It's not that you don't have, you know, that you have to quit social media like I did. Uh, it was amazing for me, by the way. But <laughs> but at le- but at least to kind of make a, a conscious effort to to uh, to address that and keep it. Mo- you know, regulated so that you have time to process as well. I like this idea of having more of a, of ethics approach, you know, philosophical approach, but how do we get to that point? If if we're always distracted, if we're always on social, if we're always, you know, being bombarded with news, like how do you practically take someone from that life to one where maybe they have more quiet time? Maybe they read more books. Like, is it just a, a line in the sand? You say tomorrow it's nothing. Or do you, how do you recommend someone to like break away from that, that addictions? Yeah, well, so my this speaks to more my my broad small steps approach. You know, this is the whole program I run Be- because because at the end of the day, knowledge is great, but if you don't know what to do with it uh, and implement you know implement it in a in a in a good way in a effective way, what good is it? I mean, I've I've taught nutrition to so many people who have a pretty good knowledge in nutrition when they walk in the door, but it's all it's an implementation problem. So. As I progress as a practitioner, 95% of my work is implementation of knowledge. Like I can teach you everything about nutrition in an hour. What, how are you going to implement it? So likewise with technology, I don't ever advocate for somebody to give it up you know, right away necessarily, just like I wouldn't tell somebody to change their diet overnight. I do say to make little inroads, small steps, steps that aren't going to burn you out, you're not going to do too much too soon. So in other words, if you're on five hours of social media a day, which probably isn't that crazy for some people, I'm not even kidding, but you know, maybe you take five minutes in the morning of quiet. I have a client right now in Sweden I'm working with, and she built in a step on her, on her list of five minutes of quiet, n- literally doing nothing, like sitting on a couch, just five minutes, because she's seeing that even that small amount of time has long-lasting effects on the rest of her day and the rest of her life and her time with family and everything else. So I would advise people to just don't worry about quitting, but just to start by being aware and maybe before you just go to that first social media platform, take a minute, two minutes, set a timer, stop for one, just just stop and then and then go in. 
And then you're in a different mindset when you do, and then you can be, you know, more aware of your stress levels around it, your anger around it, your vitriol around it. You know, social media is so much now about commenting and arguing. It's like, oh my God, it takes a, <laughs> it's a, it's a very, it's a huge energy suck. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. It is. It is. I feel like that one of the common, you know, even themes you mentioned already seems to be that taking breaks from these things are, are helpful. I mean, even five minutes of doing nothing on the couch or intermittent fasting or taking a break from social. It feels like these are like it's all leading towards not just saying we have a small time period for these things we think are bad, but more so just, I guess, a focus on allowing some some space and some margin to process life. Is that does that lead to happiness overall you think or just leads to maybe more of of an awareness of how of how you're living outside of those times i think both i think i think it definitely leads to happiness look when you know when we started this conversation it was you know i define happiness as living life on your terms well how do you know what those terms are if you're shoving stuff in your face and brain all day right if you're Mm. there's a great book i i quoted in in my book um called uh lead yourself first and and uh the the, how he defines solitude as free from inputs from other minds. Mm. And I always, I just love that idea. Like you don't have, it doesn't have to be quiet. You don't have to sit on a mountaintop, you know, with, you know, <laughs> in, a, in a lotus position. It's, you can be on a noisy subway, but are you consciously taking just a minute to not have stuff shoved in you? And, and, and those are the moments that we do get clear on our terms. Those are the moments where we do reset our, our figurative clocks, where we reground and we connect to ourselves. And I do think that there's a direct line between that and living a happy life. And also increased awareness, like you said, of, of behaviors that aren't serving us, of places we need to change, we need to adapt, things we need to potentially apologize for. You know, all these kinds of things come up when we just take these little moments and and I think there's a huge amount of power in five minutes. You know, people go five minutes. That's nothing. I go sit sit still for five minutes. <laughs> you'll you'll see how long five minutes is, right? And so, and so because we're not used to that. You know, we're so our distraction, our capability of distraction in this world is insane. You, it, you can literally be distracted all the time. You never have to think about anything. So it does take an effort. One of my truths in the book is there's no replacement for hard work, and there never will be. This takes hard work to live a good life to live a healthy life even, 
takes hard work. You can't go by feel when you go to the market because you're going to get a Twinkie <laughs> by, by feel. You know, you have to make a conscious effort. It, that's what it takes. And that's a good thing. Like I want in the book, I was like, don't be mad about that. That's a good thing. Thank goodness it takes hard work because then you earn it and it feels like it feels different than when it was handed to you. Yeah, that's very true. I, I totally agree with that. I, I'm, I'm thinking along the lines, too, of, of someone who, let's say you want to in, increase uh, your awareness of yourself. You want to have more of that happiness every day. Are there certain habits that you think lead to that? Certain, like, I guess, uh, like a daily practice that reminds you to say, like, this is how I want to to get in touch with the things I care about? Well, what's funny about that is, I don't know if you saw it in the book, but one of the truths is find out what you care about. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember how I named the stupid title. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's like, know what you give a crap about. That's, that's the language I use in the book. Sorry about that. But it's true. So know, like, know what you give a crap about. Because some people, sometimes we get, and I'm definitely like, I, I want to be clear to anybody listening to this. I wrote this book not because I'm sitting here on a, on a, you know, on the pedestal going, you guys should do this because I do it perfectly. It's like, <laughs> these are the exact same struggles I'm in, right? And even just knowing what we actually care about is, is huge. People get swept up into office politics and, they, and arguments. And at the end of the day, they might even not even care about those things, you know, but we get swept up into those things so quickly. Yeah, it's so true. I think that's the huge part about that. I mean, I took a, a break from social a little while ago, and that was the first thing I thought of was that I had spent time being angry, being upset, being, you know, commenting on things, realizing almost immediately, this is a waste of my time. I don't know yeah. what I'm even doing here. This yeah. it just feels so silly when you look back at it. But yeah, you're right. Like in the moment we make these decisions, whether it's, you know, bad food or social or whatever, where we just, we get emotional about it. I guess maybe that's, yeah. that, how, how does that can you can you get to a place where you can I guess rein in those emotions or have habits that allow you to prevent those or I guess how do we get to that place where we know we're making a bad choice before we do it? Right. Well, so this goes to you know knowing you knowing yourself, and so so you know look I'll I'll speak concretely for a second about my small steps philosophy, my small steps approach. How I coach people isn't to stop thinking about things, isn't to stop beating yourself up. It is to instead act. To all the steps that I coach people to work with it are, are actions. They're not stopping doing things, they're doing things. So in your question of like, how do you get that kind of awareness? Well, you do a, a step and you have it, I mean, this is like gonna be, it sounds so crazy, but I have, it's literally a steps list that I have people print out on a piece of paper and have in their pocket because it, it, it reminds them data. We have all these behaviors and routines we get in. We're sort of like robots in many, in many cases. Look at the way we drive to work. It's like we can get to work and not even remember the drive. Everything is so dialed in, right? And so you have this thing in your pocket and it reminds you and it, maybe it says five deep breaths first thing in the morning and maybe you set an alarm on your phone because you got your phone with you anyways and the alarm goes off. I ha and this is how nerdy I am. I have an alarm on my phone that goes off between 11 and 4 every hour on the hour 11 and 4 and it just says move. And at work, because I work at a resort, I, I, I stand up and I do 10 push-ups and I get back in my chair and it's 10 seconds, 15 seconds tops. And it's just those little moments where it breaks up the day, where it breaks up the, this sort of monotony of, of how we kind of go, go about most of our days. And this is the way you infuse change, not by stopping things, not by trying to stop, but to get yourself in a different mindset and then you get back into your life. Little moments. That's what I'm... I call it stealing moments because they're never handed to you. You've got to steal them. 
And I always joke with my clients is like, smokers have it great because nobody ever goes, you shouldn't, they go, I got to go out and smoke. They're like, oh yeah, go out and smoke. You know, because I'm like, start, pretend you smoke because your boss will be totally okay with you going out every 30 minutes <laughs> and, and taking a break, right? So short of smoking, you know, break up your day in, in moment, in seconds, so that you, you don't have to quit your job. You don't have to go to some retreat. You don't have to go to some thing. Just infuse more moments in the day. And that's the way you connect. And that's the way you remind yourself of what you actually care about. And that's the way you remind yourself how you actually want to eat in, a, in any given moment. And that might be junk food on a given moment because you're at a party and you don't want to have a treat and you don't want to feel guilty about it. On another day, it might be that you want to eat a big, huge salad because that's what you want to do in that moment. And it's all about where you are when you come to these choices. Are you in a reactive mode? in a lizard brain, fear, anger, emotional mode, or are you in a more of a calm, grounded mode? And I think at the end of the day, the, the more you can be an actor and not a reactor, uh, you win those. Any days you do that more often than not, you win those days. Very true. Yeah, I, I like this idea of a small steps approach. And I'm wondering, I guess, from that perspective, do you think that or do you have you seen that with your clients that people when they have these like little itty big decisions every day that I'm going to, you know, go for a short walk, I'm going to have a tea instead of a coffee or whatever the thing is, they're making a different choice. Does that then lead to big changes over time and bigger decisions? Or is it just more of a I'm going to live every day a little bit differently? I think both too. I think both too. They live every day differently. But then here's what's weird. When I do, um, I have a thing called small step intensive. It's a, like a private coaching thing. I, a lot of clients come to me because it's food. They get food. I'm a nutritionist. They food. And I go, okay, we'll talk about that later. I always kick the can down the road because it's mm. never about food. It's never about, not one time has it ever been about food in terms of like that they don't know enough or whatever. Maybe a little tweaks, but like it's never the thing. It's always what is leading them to those decisions around food? What is leading them to binging isn't about the food. It's about their mindset around it. So there are massive changes. I have a client right now who is, her eating habits have changed and we haven't even talked about food yet. Hmm. We've done everything but talk about food. But she's in a different place. And it's so funny because you say like break up that midday. One of her steps on her list is a five-minute walk midday. And, and that breaks that up and that she has seen her mindset change around food and her choices. Those are big changes. When you want to change your diet and you want to get healthy, you will run to the diet because you can get a short-term, like I said, short-term result. But if you're really talking about long-term, it's really about you and your relationship with food, just like it is about you and your relationship with your spouse or partner and your relationship with your family, and your relationship with your work. It's you. And, but you got to know who that is. You got to know what your terms are. And then there are both massive changes that occur when, you, when that mindset changes and also just day-to-day -day living a better day, being more present with your family. That was a big battle for me that I talked about in my second book, Raising Healthy Parents, of you know, walking in the door irritable and you know, on my phone and having to take steps to identify that's not who I am as a, as a parent and that's not who I am as a husband. And how do I change that? How do I affect that? And it wasn't about a necessarily a phone related kind of thing. What my solution was, was taking a few deep breaths in my car before I got out of my car at the end of the day and, and stop listening to the news on the way home. So I listen to music or podcast or nothing. I take a few deep breaths in the driveway, walk in my door, different person or how I would describe it, the who I really am. Phone goes on the counter and I'm with my family. Those are, those are big changes. Those are, those are real and they really affect the level of happiness in your life. 
I would say that most of the people that listen to this podcast, you know, classify themselves as high achievers and they, you know, they're seeking big goals. But a huge part of that that comes with that kind of ambition, I would say, is what I've had a problem with in the past, which is overwork, which is stress, which is trying to squeeze more out of the day. And I'm wondering in terms of from that perspective, with smaller changes that we're implementing, how do we kind of back away from the busyness cycle if we're going to be adding in smaller steps all the time or feel and not want to feel like we're just adding to the to-do list, but instead like making replacements that would be more lasting and, and less stressful. Well, I think that for me, and this is definitely my, my experience and, and with clients as, as well. I think these moments uh, where it's, you know, five deep breaths in the morning or whatever, they, I think they cr- increase productivity because mm. I think that for me anyways, my efficiency is 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 way heightened when I am in a better place. So that's how I've been able to write books and you know do a lot. I do a lot of stuff. I direct an ultra marathon. I run a wellness center, and I, you know, and I run my small steps approach, my small steps online program, like all these things, and I have a podcast, you know, all these kinds of things. Um, I think these moments that you take. It's. Uh, I remember this guy. I can't remember his name. Stephen Covey or something. It's like uh, he had these management tips. And, and I think he, one time he said, was, I never read his book, but my dad always used to sharpen the stone. And the idea of that was like, let's say you're cutting wood and you want to get all this wood to cut and you're cutting it with the ax. If you don't stop now and then and sharpen the ax, your efficiency of that cutting goes down. But you think I got to get through it. But so you never stop and you keep doing it and you're cutting with a dull ax. But if you stop and sharpen it, sharpen it, and then you get back to it, you're actually more efficient in the way that you do that. So I think a lot of productivity is really how efficient we are. A lot of achievement is how efficient we are. And I think that we, when we take recovery moments, um, I think that, that that increases efficiency overall and productivity. Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Where do you think that your motivation behind all this content came from? Like, Was it the case where like you found yourself you know, struggling with a lot of things and then found ways to overcome them? Did you have like a mentor or someone who guided you through this? Or where did you think that it, like you began to make these changes for yourself in terms of, of these like realizations about how to live a better life? Um, 
from just hurdles, you know, want, want mm. to do these things, like thinking I, that'd be kind of, you know, like I used to be a full-time musician. Like I wanted to do records. I wanted to do, do things. I wanted to create things. And I, and I didn't like feeling overwhelmed. I didn't like feeling like I, it was, well, I, I'll just do that tomorrow. I, I wanted to do stuff. I wanted to actually make stuff real in the world. Um, and so it was hurdles. It was like, how do I get this done? That's what, that's what made me start really thinking about that. Later when I became a nutritionist, it was very quickly within like two months of, of when I started actually practicing where I realizing people weren't sticking to my recommendations long-term where I realized this is the bigger picture than teaching somebody about how to eat and giving them a plan. This is how to help somebody and myself achieve change and improvement long-term in a very crazy weird world and how to get that done. So I just started really putting my, you know, my bachelor's degrees in philosophy. So it was always, you know, like a nut I wanted to crack, you know, how do I get this done? How do I figure this out? What is the missing piece here? Because I can teach you everything about nutrition. You came to me, you learn it. I give you the plan, but you don't follow it. Why is that? Do you disagree with the recommendations? No, they agree with them. Why can't you do it? Okay, because it's stress and it's overwhelm and we're like at a high level of, we're very easily overwhelmed. I came to that conclusion recently. I kept thinking about like, why is it that people are, you know, so easy to overwhelm? I think that the, just the day-to-day -day living in this modern world is so much more stressful than, than it would be in the wild. Our, our baseline level of stress is high. We're sort of used to it, but it's there. And so any little thing that we want to add in or change, we can, if we don't watch it, can put us into overwhelm very quickly. That's the number one thing that people come to me like, I'm overwhelmed. They have a history of yo-yo dieting. They go all in, they get overwhelmed, and they quit. Fitness plan, all in, overwhelm, and they quit. Even a you know, relationship with their kids or the way they parent, all in, burn out, go back to the old ways. So I really wanted to figure out a new way to do that. Yeah, I think that's so true. I, I I relate to everything you just said, which is kind of revealing, I think, to my own decisions in life. But I think that this idea that we are all walking around, you know, on the brink of a break, you know, a breakdown all the time. It's as if like we're going to you know, burn ourselves out at any moment because we've said yes way too often and don't know how to slow down, which I feel right. like. If part of what you're saying here, it does appear to be that, you know, the pace is too fast, the intensity is too high, and that if we were able to to back off a little bit and have these chances to reflect and acknowledge what's going on, we could address all these issues, everything from food and our, you know, stress and our busyness. And it all comes down to really that, that happiness intentionality piece. It sounds like where we, once we know what we want and we can be slow enough to acknowledge it, we could then make the change from a, like a, a healthier place. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the mistake can be is that if you want that change and you know what you want to change, you take on too much to even make that, that change, right? You go to the, and look, I'm not knocking this, but I'm just saying like the idea of, well, I want to meditate. So I got to go to, I got to go to a 10 day meditation retreat. It's like, well, <laughs> well, 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 that's massive and crazy and huge. And no wonder you wouldn't be overwhelmed by the prospect of that. But if I can sell you the idea of, of a, you know, five deep breaths in the morning as a way to just stop for a moment and start to build that habit of taking moments, then you win. Um, and so you don't get overwhelmed in the process of trying not to get overwhelmed as much, right? So, so <laughs> it's, like any, it's like any change we want, we can overwhelm ourselves if we don't watch it. And that can go for just the idea of avoiding overwhelm in the, you know, in the first place. 
you know, one of the things I talk to my uh, my guests in the show about a, a lot has to do with their morning routines as being the 5A Miracle Podcast. And so from this conversation about, you know, intentionality and habits, how do you begin an ideal day? What do you think needs to be included for you uh, to set the tone for the day? Um, I, I, I get up. I, I just became a, a oxygen advantage breathing instructor, um, which I love. But I've been doing the Wim Hof breathing for, for years. Every, well, every day for three and a half years, literally not missed a day. So my most wow. of my mornings get up. I have a cup of coffee with my wife. I bring her coffee. I mean, am I like the husband or whatever? So she's in bed. I bring her a cup of coffee. And uh, anyway, and then we sit and I usually do some reading. So this is a thing over the last about six months that I started to introduce. I was like, I miss books, physical books. Mm. I miss like sitting, not holding my phone, reading. So I get it. I, I get up early enough where I can read 10 minutes, just just 10 minutes, right? A novel. I'm reading three different novels right now, just, just switching around reading just that moment, have a cup of coffee, hanging out with my wife. Then I do my breathing. Then I do my cold therapy. So it's a cold shower. And that's kind of how I start my day. Pretty soon after that, I'll do some emailing, emailing, maybe kind of get things straight. And then I exercise. So I sort of set the tone by the day by some, by moments of quiet, the cold therapy and exercise. And then that's kind of the tone for the day. And that, 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 that just works for me most days. Yeah, that's a great plan. I love the fact that you've done Wim Hof every day for three and a half years. I think that's a pretty intense objective for most people because I've discussed him before in this podcast and, and the breathing techniques. What do you think about that breathing has worked well for you? Because I know that there's, you know, it can be pretty intense breathing. I've, I've taken his course before. Um, what about that have you found that is so appealing in that sense? Yeah, I did this ten-week uh, program in 2017, and and uh, just it just it just worked. It just locked in for me. Um, I think the the it's all in. You know, it's it's um, it's the 20 minutes of doing the rounds of breathing. Um, there's the, the science on that's pretty you know pretty good. It's he's being studied in universities now, so there's pretty good stuff on that in terms of you know the nervous system and and stress and inflammation and things like that. Um, the cold therapy is. Again, well studied. There's lots of amazing benefits to it. But for me, and I just talked about this in my own show, um, the Eleanor Roosevelt uh, quote, do something that scares you every day. The, 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 there is a, this is going to sound weird, but the, there's a moment of dread every day before I get in that <laughs> cold shower. Today, I was, I'm in the mountains right now. I sat in the snow for 11 minutes, literally in my underwear. Um, that's it. No shirt, no pant, nothing. Sitting in the snow in, you know, 25 degree weather for about 11 minutes and just breathing. And that's, a, there's a little bit of dread there. And that, to me, those little moments of, of, they call it, it's called hormetic stress, little moments where you intentionally put yourself in a little bit of a stressful situation, um, by way of strengthening too much, you weaken, it's too much stress like that. You weaken, but little moments, little, you know, five minutes in a cold shower, your pre your, it's almost like forced presence. It's a, in a way of, and not in a bad way forced, but forced meditation. You're in the present because it's a time that you can't really distract because the physical feeling of being in a cold shower is such that you, you're sort of there. It's bringing you there. It's why I love trail running. Same way. You can't really zone out on a trail because you'll fall. Like you have to pay mm -hmm. attention. So I'm, I'm looking for moments and coaching people to find moments where they're, they're brought to present. And I think that's ultimately the goal of meditation potentially, or at least one of the ways, but to be present, to be in your life as you. And so that's to me what I get from the Wim Hof. And now with the oxygen advantage breathing, um, in the same way, different kind of breathing technique, but also, you know, utilizing that throughout the day as well. 
Yeah, I like that focus on, on just forced presence. I think that's you're totally right about the idea of trail running. That was one thing I noticed years ago is that you know, if you if you look up, you're going to fall and you have to really yeah, like keep right. your eye on the prize. And I, I think that living like that is interesting where you are, I guess, that hyper aware of your choices and that present in the moment. And I like the fact that you've integrated, it sounds like, so many different practices that all are leading back to that same idea of right. being alert in the moment. I think it's, that's, that's really right. powerful. Yeah, I mean, the success of my clients is when, not when they follow a plan that I gave them because I don't give them one, the success of all my clients will be, and not they're not all 100% successful, but if they freaking listen to what I say, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, if they, but, but, but the success of, of any client that's been successful is because they are, like I said before, they are more acting than reacting. They have trained their minds through small steps and, and things like you just said, like trail running, putting themselves in moments where they're aware. Train their minds where they are acting more than reacting. They are winning more moments than not. They are winning more choices than not. That is when they're successful because that mindset they can apply to anything, to the way they eat, the way they exercise, the way they relate to their families, the way they work, their productivity. When they have a mindset that is set in place because they did the training, the hard work of it, the hard work of it. Diets are easy. Do what I, do what I tell you to do. That's the easiest thing in the world. But when you have to figure it out, and when you have to do the mental work of training your mind to be more aware and more present, you win. And then you don't need me. You're not, you're not hooked into me. I always cut people off. I'm like, go live your life. You don't, I, you, you, I guided you, but you did the work and now you don't need me anymore, right? That's when you win the day. And that's, and that's, I'm like, I'm so passionate about it because I want to set people free to be able to do what they want to do, but they've got to be in that mindset to, to pull that off. That is fantastic stuff. Uh, Sid, this is amazing. I, I love what you're discussing today. I think there's so much we can pull from it. And I, I like the idea of, of more acting than reacting. There's, there's so much power there. Uh, I want our listeners to dig into more of your work and definitely your latest book. Uh, so where can they go to learn more about you? Well, the best place since I quit all social media <laughs> is, um, is um, SidGarzaHillman.com. Um, they can see my, if they, you know, the coaching thing is small steps, uh, sorry, smallstepintensive.com or smallsteppers.com. Um, I'm on YouTube. I have a podcast called What Sid Thinks. And, uh, but if they go to SidGarzaHillman.com, they can see, um, you know, everything about me. And also I, I run the Wellness Center at the Stanford Inn and Resort. They could, go, they could go check me out there as well. So, yeah, they can find out lots about me there. Okay, perfect. I'll have all those links for listeners this week in the show notes. But uh, cool. other than that, Sid, that was excellent. Thanks a lot. Oh, my God. It was a total pleasure to be here. And um, like I said, I had heard about you. So when it, when it came up, I was like, oh, this is exciting. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, really happy to, I'm really happy you had me on. Thanks so much. And for that action step this week, of course, go grab your copy of Sid's book, Six Truths. Live by these truths and be happy don't and you won't. Sid offers a lot of countercultural advice and it works. If you want to reshape how you think and live every day, check out his work and see what sticks for you. JeffSanders.com slash 386 is the show notes page this week. And that's all I've got for you here on this episode of the 5am Miracle Podcast. Until next time, you have the power to change your life and the fun begins bright and early.
Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.